Today is part two of simplifying our focus for 2010. Last week we showed you through scripture why we believe that we should focus on making disciples. And I know that uh, you remember what a disciple was. We say the disciple in the New Testament is not just a mere learner. A disciple is a person who maintains the cause of, defend, and believe in the one who is discipling them. Also, a disciple is the one who takes the instruction that's given by the, the person who's discipling them and make it their rule of conduct. So, there's no, um, really, a disciple is not a person who just, they read the word of God, they know the word of God, that's really not a disciple of Jesus Christ. A disciple of Jesus Christ is a doer of the word of God. Not just a hero, but a doer of the word of God, which is James also. And what we want to do is realize that whatever we speak, whatever we do as far as acting, we're supposed to be just like he is on this earth. That's what we're supposed to be like. As he is, so are we on this earth. So that's what we're supposed to do. And I thank God that... Um, uh, we want to be disciples of Jesus Christ. I don't know anyone that's in a church who doesn't want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. You might not want to be a disciple of a person, but you definitely want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. But we've got to remember that Paul said, follow me as I follow who? Christ. So therefore, we know that uh, we have to find in the flesh someone who can help us because Christ uses people, doesn't he? He uses disciples. He used the apostles. He's going to use us also. He wants to use you. He wants to use you over here. He wants to use everybody. So you're supposed to be that example. You're supposed to be Christ at your workplace. That's what you're supposed to be. Christ wherever you go at the, at the supermarket. You're supposed to be Christ. When they've seen you, they've seen Christ. That's what it's supposed to be like. What you say, they're hearing Christ. What you do, they're seeing Christ. Now, we also said that uh, we came to this conclusion only because of the scripture. Now, we can look from Genesis to Revelation, and we'll find out whether it's the five books of Moses, the Torah, whether we, we, we look at the Psalm, whether we look at uh, Proverbs, whether we look at the prophets, the major prophets, the minor prophets, it really doesn't matter. All scripture is going to be tell, telling us to do the word of God. In Deuteronomy 28, 1, it says, Now it shall be, if you would diligently obey the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments, which I command you today, the Lord will set you on high above all nations on earth. Then it goes on to tell you, you're going to be blessed in the city, you're going to be blessed in the field, you're going to be blessed wherever you go, you're going to be blessed in your need of trial. It's all these blessings of Deuteronomy 28 and goes on down. All of it is because of verse 1, which it says that we're supposed to be doers of the word of God. In Proverbs chapter 1, Proverbs 1, 23, he says, turn to my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit upon you and make my words known to you. Whoever the Lord loves, he's going to chasten. That's in Hebrews. So we have to know that correction is a part of being a child of God. It's just, it's just the way it is. And if we don't want to be corrected, we really don't want to be a disciple. Okay? Then he says in verse 32, for the weightlessness of the naive will, shall kill them and the complacency of, self, complacency of fools shall destroy them. Verse 33, but he who listens to me shall live securely and shall be at ease from dread of evil. 
So he tells us the positive. He tells us the negative. He says that I'm going to look out for all you have to do is just listen to what I say, do what I say, and I'm going to look out for you. In another scripture, in Psalm 119, verse 2, it says, How blessed are those who observe my testimonies, who seek him with all their heart. Verse 11, Thy word have I treasured in my heart that I might not sin against you. Malachi 3, 7. From the days of your fathers you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. All, all, all scriptures telling, will you please do what I ask you to do? I don't want things to come upon you uh, because it's just the laws of, of nature, or laws of God, really, or like gravity. But I want you to um, excel in my promises. God has so many promises in this Bible. I mean, I mean, promises, 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 promises. But all of them hinge on keep my commandments. All of them, you know. And then we said last week that he says that if you love me, finish it for me, keep my commandments. So it's, it's, it's no different. And then he says the new command I, commandment I have given you, that you love one another as I have loved you. Okay? So we know that everything... New Testament, Old Testament is talking about the same thing. And how would people know that you are disciples of Jesus Christ? Because we have love for one another. That's what he says. We have love for one another. Love is not this uh, Eros type of love he's talking about. He's talking about a, a love as he has loved us. How has he loved you? How has he loved me? With unconditional love. He loved me. When I was unlovable. He loved me when I didn't love him. He loved, he loves me now when I make mistakes. He still loves me. You know? He corrects me, yes. He disciplines me, yes. But he loves me. There's no doubt in, in your ch- child's mind, it shouldn't be anyway, that you love them. You should, you, you should make sure your children know that you love them. Regardless of how wayward they are, regardless of how nice they are, regardless of what kind of personality they have, they need to know that you love them. You're going to correct them, yes, but you love them. Sometimes they think that love is letting them do what they want to do, but that's really not love. That's really when you really hate your children. You let them do what they want to do, and you spoil them, because that's not going to be good. So why did we simplify, really, why did we simplify? Well, one, one, way, one reason is because we found out that it was taxing the leaders. Very taxing. Also, my mentor gave me a book. Uh, he didn't give me a book. He told me the name of the book and told me to go buy it. And then he told me to report back to him and, and let him know what I've read. And the book was called Simple Church. And I read it, and I got excited about it because it was it was putting a lot of um, information in order and, and it was helping us to uh, do the things we want to do in a systematic way and clarify some things. And so my mentor put it to use in his church and everybody he mentored, he, he had them do the same thing. Uh, and I talked to the leaders and we went through it and we had meetings on it and things of that nature. And we had to pray about it and find out some of the things that we want to do uh, that it suggested and things that we didn't want to do because it didn't relate to us. Uh, we didn't think it would be effective for us. 
So that's why we started uh, to simplify, and we had to ask some questions. The book asked a question like, do the people know what's expected of them? Do you know what's expected of you? If you come in this congregation, do you really know what's expected of you? Do you know how, to, how we make disciples? Do you know the process of what, how we make disciples? And most people can give you a lot of different things depending on what they perceive to be true, but it was not plain, it was not clear, it was not simple. So we said, well, how can we do this thing? Well, let me ask you some questions, okay? Um, do you think that sometimes you can do so much that the main thing is left undone? Well, we found that out, and I'm going to read you some of the things that we've done here at Cornerstone. A lot of things we've done at the same time or in the same year. We, of course, have a Sunday service. After church, sometimes we have fellowship meals, and we expect people to attend most of these events. We've had drama events, Valentine's banquet, baby showers, and we don't sponsor them as a church, but the people in the church, like in, 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 in the groups, they will have a baby shower and they'll put uh, invitations on the back table or something like that. But they expect people uh, to come that's in the church. Uh, hospital visitation, we have that. Worship practice during the week. Thursday night prayer, seminars on Saturday, we've had those. Roundtable meetings, 501 meetings, we have those. Saturday morning evangelism, uh, servant evangelism, we've had that. Movie night, back to school giveaway. Uh, inner school, inner city ministry, Saturday night revival meetings, Saturday morning prophetic meetings, nursing home ministers, art class, clothing ministry, food ministry, all night prayer once a month, and we used to have it once every week, every Friday night. Uh, the, the CD and tape ministry, the video ministry, the accounting team ministry, basketball team, uh, we've had one of those, uh, men's, men's group, women's group, women's exercise group, fall fest, the super sixes recognition month, uh, recovery group, 40 days of purpose the whole church did, leadership retreat, banquet, leadership banquets, we had that at a hotel here in the city, uh, home group fair, worship team, uh, worship practice on Sunday mornings, adult Sunday school, kids church, Royal Rangers impact ministry on Sunday morning, ushers, greeters, sound technicians, PowerPoint ministry, uh, <laughs> Jefferson House, I'm getting tired, uh, prayer ministry, altar team ministry, men who do transition doing the offering and, and announcement, uh, youth ministry on Sundays, uh, dance ministry, uh, home, uh, home groups, what we called home groups before, special groups, praise night on Friday once a month, VBS, uh, yard giveaway, marriage class, financial peace university class, and that's not all. And let me ask you a question. Who leads those ministers? Usually you can count them on your fingers. Who leads those ministers? And that means that if you take 10 people and you divide them up, every time somebody says, well, you know what, uh, I think we need this right here, then somebody's going to have to lead it. And that somebody's usually already leading something else. Yeah. And so it was taxing. So you can have a person who's on a worship team, and they practice on... Uh, sometime Tuesday night, sometime Wednesday night, depending on one night a week sometime. And then they practice on Sunday morning, then they're on the worship team. Then they have, uh, like Alex, and they have a home group. Also, they had a home group in the past, uh, so that's another night. Uh, then we have a 501 class. We have a, a roundtable meeting that they had to come to. 
then somebody might say, well, uh, we're having a baby shower for somebody, so the wife is expected to go to that. Then, um, and sometimes men go now because I think they start inviting men. Um, and so they have to go to that. Then we have dance. They have to take the children to that. Then after a while, you're not even home. You know, you're not at home. And, and, and so I say, hey, when are you spending time with the Lord? When are you having your uh, family devotional time where your family get together and you talk about the word of God? You know, when are you having your date nights? You know, how can I have a date night? How can I have these things when when you keep me busy going every single night just about to something? Because Royal Rangers Impact used to be on Wednesday night also. So we used to have that too. The youth group was on Wednesday night, you know, Sunday afternoon now. Do, do you understand that we need to simplify? We need to simplify. Because the main thing cannot be going on if we're doing all that. Okay? So we have to make this thing concise. And that's what we're in the process of doing, uh, making this thing concise, making it clear, making it plain. Who's expected to come to these things? Imagine that. You are. I am. You know. Uh, we had to get so my wife and I get so said we're not going to come to any showers. Period. Period. No no showers. Why? Because we got all these babies being born and we'll be going to another thing. And so if we keep going to all these things, I can't go to everything. And do what I'm supposed to do. The main thing has to be the main thing. Like they said uh, in the scripture, uh, in Acts, look, I got to give myself to prayer and minister the word. We got to find somebody else to feed these Grecian women and make sure this, that everything is, is okay. And so they had to choose from among them men full of Holy Ghost and full of power, full of wisdom. They had to do that. They can't, they, they can't do everything. But see, sometime in... in uh, when people are not informed, which we told you all a long time ago, is that don't expect me to do the work of the ministry. If I do the work of the ministry, then it's out of order. From scripture-wise, the scripture tells me what to do. The scripture says in Ephesians that the fivefold ministers, whether it be the apostles, apostles, the apostles, prophet, pastor, evangelists, teachers, they're supposed to equip the saints for the work of service. So if I'm doing it, the elders are doing it, well, what are you doing? You say, well, we're watching you burn, you know, out, you know. No, that's on scripture. But don't you know that most churches, uh, particular uh, smaller churches, they expect the pastoral staff to do everything. And that's not, that's not scriptural. That is not scripture. It's just as unscriptural as you can find. That's why we read the Bible. And that's why we say we're a doer of James and all the word of God. How are we going to simplify? We have to start by evaluating everything by, is it making disciples? You say, well, I can, I can make it do that, you know. No, we don't want to say that, okay, we need a basketball team, so therefore... We're going to, this basketball team, we're going to make disciples, you know, by playing a game. We'll pray just for the game over with, and we'll pray so we won't, you know, get mad and fuss people out after the game, you know. No, that's not really making disciples. So we can't put everything in, 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 in the mode of, of making disciple 
and try to make it work. All we're trying to do is please people. And as many it is of you out there, all of you have preferences. And if we try to do all your preferences, all what you think would be nice to do, we end up not doing what God called us to do. And I think we can agree, and we need to be on the same page. That's why I'm taking time for uh, three messages to make sure we're on the same page when we go into this new building, is that we are going to be about making disciples, because that's what we see the Word of God saying. Yeah? And the disciple does a lot of different things now. You know, like a, a, a disciple makes disciples. So, you know, when Jesus said make disciples, he's not talking about just sitting up in a classroom. That's not making a disciple. You know, part of making a disciple is learning, but part of a disciple is doing. It does no good to have a 501 class, a round table, and then they don't do anything. They don't oversee anything. They don't do nothing, you know. There's no good of sitting, sitting around there just doing nothing. So we got to put people to use, you know. So we have some of the people who are on around uh, 501, they go over to Jefferson House once a month on third Sunday, and they bring the message. They teach. I don't go over there to teach. And when, when we first started the ministry, uh, the, the, the person who was doing it, he's no longer there. He's, he's now at Westminster Canterbury, if he's still living. And he wanted me to come uh, over on a Sunday once a month. And I said, no, I'll come one time. And then I'm going to start uh, delegating and put somebody else there to do it. And so that's what we have been doing since then. So I really don't go over there uh, because we have able people who can pray, who can raise the dead, you know, pray for people to be raised, to heal the sick, bring a message, praise. We have ample people that can do that. Can the Justin how people say amen? Yeah, they can do it. They can do it. See, so, you know, I'm excited about that. So every third Sunday when you come, you see that, man, uh, where is such a, where is this person? They're over to Jefferson House probably, you know. And so that's what we want to do. And we want to do other things also in the community. Because that's when the community, when the church is being effective, when they're doing things in the community. And there are people who died at the Jefferson House who used to be there 12 years ago, not there any longer. And I thank God that we brought them the message that, that, they need their, their souls saved, you know. And so they have no excuse, you know, before God. Is the family important to us? How, how important is the family? Should it come last place? And we do a lot of church work first. What do you think? Which is, which is first, the family or church? The family. See, because if, if, the, if the church is first, you're going to have not a good church. Because families make up the church. And as you are in those four walls of your house, so are you in this church. Do you, do you hear what I'm saying? If you're not faithful in your own household, you're not going to be faithful in the church. You know? If you're arguing and, and complaining with, with each other, with your wife and your children, y'all let each other, cursing, doing all the things. You'd do the same thing if in the church. If somebody pushed you the wrong way, you do the same thing. So if the families are healthy, the church is healthy. And that's what we want. The families first. So it's very important. Who is, who is first? The family or each person's relationship with God of their family? 
each personal relationship with God. Because as your vertical relationship is, so will your horizontal be. You know, if you don't have a good relationship with God, you're going to not have a good relationship with those in your household. That's just the way it is. So we have to keep the first things first and do what God has told us to do. Okay? It starts with me, really. It starts with me. And I had to really take a hard look at whether I was going to be a doer of the word or hear of the word. Because our vision used to be, what was our vision? We put it on the bulletin. It's been on the bulletin for the last three years. What was our vision? Changing lives, making connections, building bridges, right? Okay? No longer is that our vision. Okay? No longer is that our vision. Your vision now is on the bulletin. It's been on the last three weeks. You know? What's the vision? Be connected. If you remember nothing else, be connected. First of all, it has to be priorities now to God. Okay? That's important. To the body, that's important. You can't take your hand, throw it over here, your foot over there, you know, your legs over here, and expect to function as a body. You can't do it. Also, God used it to make us understand that the body must be a unified uh, group moving together. Okay? Uh, so you got to be connected to the body. We want everybody to be connected to a ministry and to the world. Now, when you say, uh, why would you change your vision? We change the wording of the vision only to simplify things and to uh, make the process known. The process known. You see, with the uh, changing lives, the uh, making connections, building bridges, uh, what's the process of doing that? How are we going to achieve that? Well, I don't know. You know? Well, see, now you know. Because our process is found in a vision. If we're going to be connected, how do, we, how do we get connected? First to God, to the body, to ministry, and to what? The world. Okay? That's going to be the process. And movement will be that way. And we'll talk more about that next week. I had problems with that because I really loved our vision, you know. Uh, and because, I mean, the, the vision was something that we worked on. I said, man, this is it right here. Why do I want to change something that's it, you know. I said, uh, I, told, I told the elders and, and the leaders, I said, look, let me tell you something. If we're not going to change lives, I don't want to be a part of the church. I don't want to be part of any church that's not changing lives. Do you hear what I'm saying? Because I don't even want to be a Christian if life's not going to be changed. Why would you want to be connected to Christ and he can't change your life? Obviously, he can. We've been preordained. I mean, you know, be predestined to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, it says in Romans. So we know that we're supposed to do that. Matter of fact, in Romans 12, it tells us that we're supposed to uh, not be conformed to the world, but be transformed. That transformation is a you know, metamorphosis, just like a uh, caterpillar to a butterfly. There's going to be some changes made. So God is talking about changing. He's given us the Holy Spirit within us to change us. 
The Old Testament, the saints couldn't change. They, they, they couldn't do the law because the law was a law. The law the law, law did was convicted them of sin. But they didn't have any way of being successful. But the Holy Spirit. And we found that out with Peter. Peter, I mean, Peter, the man, hey, I, you know, I never, I never betray you. Could you tell me? I'm not going to deny you. And the first thing happened when his life is a, on the line, when something he didn't want to, want to go to, he didn't want, he didn't want to be killed. He started denying the Lord Jesus Christ. But when the Holy Spirit came, oh my goodness gracious, you had a new Peter, didn't you? A new Peter. And that's what God wants. They'll be led by the, by the Spirit of Almighty God. Character is very important to do that. You can't, <laughs> you have to be about changing your character, moving it to a higher and higher and higher level. Do, do you understand that, that, that Christ, we love him because he's the same. He never changes, you know. He says in uh, Malachi 3.6, I think it is, is that, um, he says that, for I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, and we, we remember, we memorize that, but we don't memorize the other part of that verse. Therefore, you sons of Jacob are not consumed. And see, they were in sin. And what he was saying is that I am a merciful God and I'm going to always be merciful to you. I'm going to discipline you, but I'm going to be merciful to you also. I love you. I'm not going to change that. Otherwise, you'll be consumed. You see? So, I said, well, God, you, you know, you're serious about this thing. You know, you really want our character to be just like yours. The scripture tells me that he is faithful. Is he not? Ms. Angie Johnson was talking about faithfulness. They said, well, she, you know, she's steadfast. What is steadfastness? Faithfulness. That's what it is, faithfulness. Immovable. Immovable. You know? She can't be moved to the left or to the right just because somebody is supposed to be somebody because their zip code is 03. They think they can get money and the person who's 01 can't get any money, you know? She doesn't, she's not moved by somebody's economic position. She's not going to be partial that way. Is that right, Angela? That's right. See? She's steadfast and movable. She's faithful. Is the Lord faithful? How faithful has he been to us? How about, how about when we weren't doing what, what he knew we shouldn't do? Was he still faithful? Steadfast and movable. We're glad of that, aren't we? Well, why should we turn around and be unfaithful in our relationships? That's not the character of Christ, is it? You know? That's why it shouldn't be divorces in the church of the living God. Right? Unless you got saved after you got married and both of you were unsaved. And your husband or your wife wanted to leave you now that you are serving Christ. And the scriptures tell you then, let them leave if they want to leave. And you don't know whether you're going to save or not, you know. Right? Everything's in the word of God. Other than that, it says that if they, if they want to stay with you, let them stay. I don't care if they're unsaved, let them stay. Didn't, didn't the scripture say that? It said that. So we're supposed to be faithful. When can you tell faithfulness? When things are going your way? Hunkadori? 
Peaches and cream? When it's tested. When is it tested? Huh? When it's tough. When is it tough? Huh? When it's not going your way. When it's not going your way. That's when you tell faithfulness in a marriage, isn't it? When things are not going your way, it's not going the way you want it to go, it's not going the way it should go. Then we say, well, I have a right to leave. What about the children? They'll be better off. That's crazy, you know? Never is it better off for a child to be with a single parent than with two parents who love the Lord, right? And you hear I say with two parents who love the Lord, okay? Never better off. I'm trying to help, help us to understand that God is calling for change, people. He's calling for change in me and in you. That's what discipleship is all about. And so I said, well, look, if we take that out of our vision, I'm not going to be a happy camper. You know what they wrote in the notes? I just read it um, last night, I think it was, again. I said, I can't believe, I think it was either Virgil or Chad. Or Asher typed up those things. I said, I can't believe they said that. They said, well, the pastor finally gave up his position. <laughs> I said, gave up my position? You act like I was uh, trying to hold on to something? And I thought about it. I was. So I gave in. I said, well, why did I give in? You know, I gave in because the group said that, you know, this is better for the body. I said, okay. If it's better for the body, fine. But now, we still got to change lives. Well, if you're a disciple, your life is going to change, right? It's going to change. If I said, be connected to God, be connected to the body, to ministry, to the world, your life is going to change. If we're connected to God, the way he says be connected now, I'm not saying the way we're supposed to be connected, because we do a lot of different things and say. But I'm saying the way he says we're supposed to be connected in the world, you are going to change. I'm going to change. See, the bottom line of being a disciple is changing. That's the bottom line. You see, it's not the process, it's the end result. Okay? And so, I see that. I said, okay, I can see that. You know? you know, everybody has to be willing to listen to somebody. Do you know that? If I think I know everything, came out and tell me something, I said, well, the Lord gave me that vision. Well, yeah, I understand. He did. You know? It was good for a while. But now, the brothers said that it's time to change. Am I going to be stubborn and hold on to, to what I want because I'm, I'm the leader? The main leader? No, I have to go just like everybody else. I have to be able to listen to Elder Sam, Elder John, to all the other round tables. I have to be able to listen. And not only just listen, but to receive. If it's the word of God... If you can show me where I'm being obedient to the word of God by changing, I can do that. Okay? I'm not going to do it just because it's your preference. Okay? If it's not God. So our vision has changed. What is our vision? Be connected. To who? To God, to body, to ministry, to the world. Very important. Okay? Now I'm excited about that. I'm very excited. And so I'm trying hard to do some changing because I like to teach. I like to teach about 45 minutes to an hour because I just think you want to hear it. 
<laughs> for some reason, <laughs> for some reason, you know. But I know that if I teach for 40 minutes and end at 12, you're going to be more happy. And also, don't you shake your head and say, yes, I will. <laughs> also, you'll probably invite more people because you say it's a shorter service. If I'm going to teach, we're going to have a teaching every single week, then I can cut a little short, can I? And you all got to help me, okay, because I love teaching, okay? And I have usually, like I, 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 today I told, I have six, six pages of notes. And, um, and Brandon say, woo-wee, how long are you going to teach, you know? I said, we'll be through by 12. You're right, you know. <laughs> She's my daughter. She knows me. But actually, uh, I have finished all six pages because the last page was Rome, Romans 12, 1 and 2, and our vision and closure. You see? Wait a minute. I can't believe that. I can't believe y'all clapping. <laughs> y'all, y'all supposed to be saying, we want to be like, like, uh, the man who was sitting in the window when Paul was teaching. He just taught all night, you know. <laughs> Praise God. Let's stand. Let's stand. Father, we thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you for simplifying things, Lord. We thank you for change. All of us have to change, Lord. Nobody likes to change. Everybody wants to have their way, Lord. But, Lord, we want your way. Have your way, Lord, with us. Let your will be done and not ours, Lord. So, Father, help me to be more submissive to your will and to the, to the sensitivity of the people, Lord. As the people tell me things, Lord, um, I want to be open to it. I want to receive it, Lord. If it's of you, Lord, if it's not going to hinder our relationship with yours, but help it, Lord. So we thank you, Lord.